was right. Technology. Tech. It's of the fucking devil. I've said it before. I'll say it a hundred right. more times. Especially when a it's fucking of the devil three thousand dollar goddamn computer just decides. You know what? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I paid money for you to do a job. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not going to do it. Like, I've already done yeah, enough. No. I've, already, I've done enough for you, you Randall. Should, you should be working for like another, at least, I've had you for two and a half years. You should be able to work for at least like double that amount. Of, no. <laughs> no, you need to pay me a living wage. I also need mental health days. Fuck you. My computer turned into a fucking lazy piece of shit, Gen Z. Or... <laughs> well, we should be getting shit. livable wages. Uh, that's not the point. This is satirical. Anyway, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes, a paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spoopy, mm-hmm. cryptids. Yeah. Aliens. I can't do it the same. Murder most motherfucking foul. Yeah. Motherfucking witchcraft. Sometimes. Space ocean. I will never live that one down. Uh Uh-huh. And dicks of yore. No. We don't even talk about (laughs) dicks of yore. No. No. I got nothing, This is a dickless podcast for like a year and a half. Long time. (laughs) Long time. Actually, this has been a dickless podcast since basically the lockdown. Three years. Oh, wow. No dick. Wow. I mean... Not no. Oh, just haven't spoken a lot. <laughs> I mean, have not... you been ho- no. have you been holding out on us? <laughs> oh my god, I felt that in my brain. And no, I have not. I have not. All right. Well, no. guess what, guys? I'm back. Yeah. How'd I do? So good. Did I am I? so sorry for my typos. So let's just get into that. I want to. I want to commend you for being able to like edit your own writing on the fly. Uh-huh. Because I imagine that's regular. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I could not, my brain couldn't do it. I'm usually okay about it, but like I can't, I couldn't do it. Yeah, and I literally, I was so busy at work and I was getting on a 5.30 a.m. flight, having to leave my home at 3.30, trying to get that thing, I meant to do like more of a list, I could only get through those. Like okay. that that's as far as I got. I was like, I have no more fucking time. Time is gone. I have that's and it just sort of ended abruptly too. So oh, it's very yeah. It was like, I was like, here you go. And we're done. <laughs> There's right. I, I didn't I didn't neatly wrap things up as I usually do. And then sometimes even when I do, I'm ad libbing. So yeah, I gave it to you in its rawest form. Uh oh, well, so you, I, I you could, did good. I could tell because part of the story sounded like a like a fifteen year old nerd recanting a bunch of high school drama back and forth to a friend. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, Jennifer said this, and then she went over there, and then she talked to Troy. He said that, and uh-huh. I'm like that's that's the vibe I got through part of it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, she, yeah, this was this was rushed, mm-hmm. but oh, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there was definitely there was a little editing. It's like I'll copy and paste from articles, and I'll go through and I'll rewrite things. I rewrite it, you yeah. know, and I I move shit around. I take some. And so yeah, you got it. You got a few little uh, flubber flubs in there, but uh, yeah, I tried. Yeah, uh, I, I I did want to uh, backhoe all of us. Um, Don't I am not giving my consent to be. And <laughs> I, I really appreciated the conclusion. You you guys solved 
the mystery of uh-huh. the Mary Celeste. We really did. I don't even remember. So much has happened except, in the last week. Except if you would back to the actual inquest and when that was the actual conclusion that they came to. So good job, everyone. <laughs> the mutiny. The mutiny was the conclusion of the inquest. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm remembering back now. And I was I still laughing. I thought you were talking about a lady. I No, I was laughing so <laughs> fucking hard in my car listening to that because I was listening to it and, you know, you're reading something you didn't research or write, so you're just going cold. Yeah. And then you guys come up with this amazing theory of what happened and neither one, I'm laughing out loud because I just listened to you, told the whole thing, and I'm like, yeah, that's the, but but that but that's what that the tr- the tr- the trial guys they they said that too. Good good but good job everyone. Good job everyone. Good job us. Good job them. You're just confirming the findings. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. But uh, yeah, sorry about my typos, everybody. But you did a great job. Thank you. And we do sound a lot alike in my car. Identical. I mean, really, we do. Identical. <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, uh, Arizona was not sunny. Arizona, we had sun for partial sun for two days. The rest was gray, oh, cloudy, me. and actual rain mm. on one evening. And uh, you just had an oh fuck moment. We are recording, right? We're good. We are recording. Yeah. No, I think I, I'm. I'm so peek behind the curtain, y'all. For for those of you who are patrons. And have not seen the Patreon. That is because yesterday when we went to go record, there was a, like... I did I did post. You did post. A major. Well, for those of you who didn't see the post, uh, a basically, in the technology world, a catastrophic technological failure. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't my great main all. computer is, is no more. Uh, I will have to build a new one. Yes. Because this one's just bad. No. It literally just shit the bed. It just shit the bed. Shit the bed. I, In front of our eyes. By the way, I tested everything before you got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything to make it work. Yeah. And it was like, fine. Everything was good. Yeah, just that moment. And it was I like. I accidentally pulled the wrong cable and the whole thing just died. But would it have done that anyway, I feel, if you hadn't pulled it? Like, At some point, maybe. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> That's um, how precarious one cable can be. But that, well, when it's the power cable, that's how that it's goes. Pretty fucking powerful. Um, so uh, the reason I just had an oh fuck moment is because I'm now computing everything off the laptop, which is connected to a bunch of different things, and I'm thinking in my head, do I have the theme song or anything else that I need to actually make this podcast sound the way it's supposed to? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I still have that file for you somewhere. I'm sure I do too. If like you I'm can't sure. Find it. I think now that I'm thinking about it, I could just plug in one of these other ones to the laptop and pull it off an old episode. Uh, which is why the oh fuck moment was like immediately rescinded in my head. <laughs> Got but it. Here I am talking about it. Yeah. Why and cut uh, this? Who knows? Yeah. You'll find out when you listen. Yeah, it's like the, the whole conversation earlier via messenger. Uh, all our words. Blah 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 yeah, blah just, blah just send blah. Those, computer just send blah, those to blah, me. Blah blah blah. Wah, 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 you don't need to send those in the group chat because this is what happens. <laughs> no, I understand. If it was a car, the battery died. <clears throat> yeah, no, I which got that. Forced the engine to die. Yeah, yeah, no, I got that. And I, yeah, that's that's really that. what it is. Yeah. Now I have to rebuild the engine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 
So do we have any other backhoes? Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, first, rest in peace to Lance Reddick. Yes, we missed that last week. Because we did miss that last week. Um, there was another one since then, too. We can talk about it next week, because I don't know. I'm going to try and look it up real quick, okay. just to see. And I, I had to say, who the hell died? And for those of you like me that do not know that name, I, and maybe some of you, know him best as Papa Legba in American Horror Story Coven. Mm-hmm. He was also yep. in John Wick. Yeah, uh, he's a great character in John Wick. He's in the Resident Evil series on yeah. Netflix. Uh, he is, for diehard Sunny fans such as myself... Uh, he is in uh, the Frank's Brother episode. He plays Reggie the Black Panther. That's right. I knew he was on it, but I couldn't remember exactly which episode. Yeah. But he's got an incredible body of work. Yes. And he will be greatly missed. Um, everyone that I've seen talking about him online had nothing but wonderful things to say about him. Mm. I had a friend who met him uh she moderated a panel of his at a convention said he was absolutely lovely mm-hmm. so that is very sad yes um, oh i didn't know robert blake died the day after my birthday who oh robert blake the guy who killed his wife allegedly allegedly killed his wife i believe he was acquitted for that but still oh. yes oh wait robert blake like um the actor the, yeah beretta i think yes i think so Yes. I could be wrong. Don't tweet at me. <laughs> but would you even see it? Nope. Exactly. Sure no, I, I don't use either. Twitter for one thing. So there's that. I don't and even then, use it for that. Uh, thank you to everyone that sent me the photos and articles about the real life Timon and Pumbaa. That does that it does exist. <laughs> Hang on. Let me oh, let me show you <clears throat> or tell you about it, and then I'll show you because you're right here. Uh, where did it go? We recorded on the 13th. Okay. Uh, let's see. There, It's a warthog and a mongoose, not a meerkat, but I uh, feel okay. like that is close enough. to goddamn Absolutely. enough. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's Miss Piggy the warthog and Mongo the mongoose. Stop it. Um, and they are best friends at the Center for Conservation of African Resources, Animals, Communities, and Land Use in Chobe, Botswana. Okay. And here, and the, uh, it was when Mongo. When I was a young warthog. Mongo likes to ride on Miss Piggy's <gasps> back, and it's my favorite thing that I have seen oh, in a very long time. Uh, that is fucking incredible. So, to the multiple people that sent me that, God bless you. That was a fucking delight to that, know that it was real. Like the duck with shoes. Uh, his, his wrinkle. running shoes. Wrinkle. I, and I just imagine the sound when he runs of his yeah. shoes, like the pitter-patter. Yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah. Well, you can find videos <gasps> of ducks running, and it is hilarious because it is that sound. It's just so <laughs> but good. I just feel like his running shoes will make it so much better. Probably. <laughs> um, and then... And then... Lara wanted me to know that there is a lion at the Cincinnati Zoo... Named John. Oh yeah. I was like, shut your mouth right now. A lion named John. I very excited about that. And everybody that keeps sending me uh pictures of their animals with people names never stop. I said it I think last week. Don't ever stop doing it. Well your niece has a fish named Sheldon. It's less fun because it's a fish. It's a fish. But I do appreciate it. 
Right. They're, they can be very lovely, but it's not the same. Yeah. It's not because it's not like you're going to be at a park or in your backyard screaming, Sheldon, come here. Yeah. Which, and if you did, oh, that's a different. Problem. I want to know if someone has a dog or a cat named Jennifer. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Jennifer. There's got to be. Um, Brad. Actually, I think I just saw a video. <laughs> Brad. On Facebook of somebody that posted, they work at like um, a dog daycare. Uh-huh. And they were posting a video of the dogs with bro names. Stop it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was real. And I think one of them was Brad. Uh, one of my friend client slash listeners has a dog named Heidi. I love that. And Heidi is hilarious. Heidi's like a, I think a, one of those multi-poo or something along those lines. Sure. Sure. But she has resting bitch face. I love it. And she gives the best side eye you've ever seen in your life. That is a delight. The best side eye ever. I love that. Actually, I might have photos, so go ahead and do what you're going to do, and I'll also. try to find it. Um, also, listener Leticia sent an update on Suzanne von Richtofen. Ooh, do go on. Because she is the one that suggested the story. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. She sent me this message on the gram. She said, by the way, Suzanne is serving the rest of her sentencing in open regime. Uh, she has to show up at a quote-unquote boarding house at night, but during the day, she's free to work. Don't know if there's an equivalent in the U.S., but we're all pissed down here. So yeah, that, she's that's just... a thing you can do here. Like a halfway house kind of situation? No, no, like you can... There, my, I know somebody I used to work uh, at Disney with who was in prison, and they would let you out for work hours so you can earn money, and then you go back to prison at night. Oh, no, she's not going back to prison. She's going to like, and she's out and about. Oh, she's not okay. in prison anymore. From what I read, she's no longer in prison. Ah, she, it's like a halfway house. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, we, I, I think we do kind of do that here. Kind, but not the it's same. Because like... they also had that where she was in prison. The same thing, uh, but this I don't think it's the same. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, there was one other death. Oh. Uh, not, it's not one that a lot of people are going to be uh, super aware of, but um, his name is Paul Grant, Mm-mm. and he was uh, a little person, part of the LP community. Uh, he was one of the dudes who played uh, the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, oh, okay. and also played one of the goblins in um, Harry Potter. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. All right, here's Heidi. Look at her face. <laughs> she mean mugs. For you nerds out there, Paul um, Grant, R.I.P. Oh yeah, yeah. She gives mean mug and fucking dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do have more. Apparently, uh, there's a couple in Kentucky that is having their wedding officiated by none other uh-huh. than the actual Pablo Escobar himself. Somehow, <laughs> Cocaine Bear is uh-huh. presiding over a wedding ceremony. Yeah. How do they? How do they words? Uh, let's see. I mean, words are hard, but I feel like <laughs> when you're dead, it's even harder. Yeah, this I is. Mean... And when you're a bear, this is you an don't make them. Article on bear. Screen Geek. Right. He's got two things working against him. Right by Jacob Dressler. Um, let's see. Hang on. Uh, the couple 
is Alexandra and Armando, and this is a quote. <laughs> Alexandra and Armando chose to have the bear officiate their wedding at the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall. And as shared by TMZ, the museum's co-founder, Griffin Van Meter, released a statement via Roadside America, which apparently sparked the couple's plan. Here's what he initially stated. As long as you feel that the person marrying you, like Cocaine Bear, has the authority, then that marriage can be binding here in Kentucky. Of course it can. And then it goes on to say, now Alexandra and Armando clearly do feel like Cocaine Bear has the authority to officiate the wedding. So on March 27th, the two will begin their special ceremony. Um, additionally, the entire museum um, is apparently going to be decorated for the event with plenty of flowers and glowing hearts on display. The couple is said to be inviting anyone to attend their union. Um, nice. So yeah, how that works, I don't know. But I need to see... Sure. Photos and video of that also immediately Absolutely. because, yes, please, um, were I to get married, that would be an option. I'm down with As an officiant. Pablo Escobar, you know how deep my love for you goes. Uh, what else? Uh, my friend Anthony, the one that made our song, yeah, also uh, made the horrifying Mothman AI art of ah. what happened in my hallway when mm -hmm. I was maybe too high. Uh, he sent me that, and he <laughs> sent me a text recently to let me know that he has done it again. Oh, good. However, this time, for fun, I had AI try to, try to draw your podcast thumbnail. I can't get over the deranged lettering. Oh, God. It is... Unhinged. Truly a nightmare. Okay. And also hilarious. So here you go. Just because the the letters not really words. Kind of like fingers aren't fingers in AI art. Yeah. yeah Hold yeah, on, yeah. I have to put on my. I don't know that the glasses are going to help. Uh, wait, uh, I don't oh, know. Oh God, it's it's still all bad. It's not going to make it make more sense. You just <laughs> yeah, and then you can swipe. <laughs> There's another one, so swipe, and how, you'll see how kiss. Yes. I'm like, that's not... How kisses this way? I mean, I'm glad it can't really Guess actually make this. words yeah. in images like that. For now. For now. Houseless house. Man, I have a problem with AI. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I will post these. I will post these. That's just a close-up wow. of the one that scared me the most. Houses hatsase. <laughs> Houseless house. Yeah. <laughs> Hess. Cool turtles. <laughs> Haxless howless. The way that those look like words, it's like somebody trying to write out what happens when you put food in your mouth that's too hot. Oh, sure. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Sure, sure. It's like, how do I type that? It's that. <laughs> Gets goose. And that's exactly what our podcast is called in that AI-generated image, apparently. Oh, this wow. is... Oh, eight more? There's four more of them! Yeah, <laughs> I know. four more of them! There's plenty, and they're all equally awful. That's wonderful. Right? I wonderful slash awful. <laughs> I want to use the one that's in the uh, the top right corner because of your mouths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's great. <laughs> I have one more. Gets loose. Oh, I was like, gets loose. 
I like that one too. I'm like, is it a mouth or is it another eye? I don't know what's happening, but it's either way. Just a big old hole in our face. Nothing good. <laughs> nothing good. Big old face I hole. I think this one is the least terrifying. Yes. Uh-huh. This yes. one. Yes. Um, and then, Indeed. which I appreciate, I was not going to say appreciate when you do that. I was going to say I appreciate when my friend Anthony does this <laughs> because it tickles me every time. Uh, and then I did send it in a message last week because I sent you a TikTok of it. But, uh, <laughs> what was your name? Uh, TikTok user Heartthrobert. <laughs> Which is fucking Great wonderful. Name. Great name. Um, posted a few TikToks on um things that he believes would kill Gwyneth Paltrow, like the whole trend on like what what would a Victorian child what what do you think would kill a Victorian child if they were around today or if you showed them like a water slide today? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I feel like I feel like Victorian children are a lot. Stronger than you're giving them credit for. That's true. They lived in houses covered in paint with arsenic in and it. And so. drank shit water. Uh-huh. So I feel like they'd be okay. They'd be like, oh, it's a slide with water. Cool. Okay. Uh, was that some kind of pastry? It's a Pop-Tart. Sure. Right? They'd be fine. Gwyneth Paltrow, however, might be different. Uh-huh. And I think that might be my new favorite game. Well, yeah. He posted uh, a craft single. He's like, take her out immediately. Uh, but yeah, go watch his videos on that okay. because it's particularly hilarious. And maybe next time we'll come up with our own lists oh, of things I love that. that would kill Gwyneth Paltrow if she encountered them. They are, those, his videos are... Laundry? Maybe. Right? Scrubbing a floor? You're thinking too manually. Uh, well, I don't think she does those things. No. But watch his videos because they're fucking yeah. hilarious. Cup of noodles. That would definitely, yes, absolutely. Just the sight of it. Spam. One of the things that he said was um, even coming in contact with an off brand soda, like an <laughs> off brand Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah. Would incapacitate her. And I'm like, I love you. Dr. K. That is. What is that, what is that one doctor or like, uh, it's not Dr. It's the off-brand. Big K, I think. Big K, that's yeah. it. I was like, Dr. K? No. Yeah. That's a person. I thought that would be a really great game. That's a great game. Because it just made me giggle. I love that. And you do, too. I love that's that. all. That's all I have. All right. Well, who you goes? Go, oh, I do. do. Okay. Yes. I do. That you would do. be me. Let me put on my spectacles, testicles, wallet, and watch. Okay. Okay, hold on. I got, I got my eye parts on. All right, guys. All right. So today I'm going to yes. talk about the unsolved disappearance Ooh. of Jody Huizentritt. You sound very confident in that <laughs> no, name. I'm not. Huizentritt? Huizentritt? I'm not going to say her last name much, just so there you know. know. So... Jody Hughes Truett was a 27-year-old rising star at a local news station in Mason City, Iowa, when she suddenly went missing less than two hours before she was scheduled to anchor the morning news one day in 1995. <clears throat> when Jody didn't show up as early as she normally would for work at KIMT-TV on June 27th, her producer wasn't too concerned at first, but she called Jody, who answered, apologized, and said that she was running late, but... She never showed. 
and it became pretty clear quickly that something was wrong. So let's go. So Jody Sue Huizentwit, it's a hard one, she's German, was born June 5th, 1968 in Long Prairie, Minnesota, the youngest daughter of Maurice and Imogen. In high school, she was really good at the golf and was considered a promising young talent with her team winning the state Class A tournament in both 1985 and 86. But Jody's dream was to become a news anchor. Her high school best friend, Kim Feist, would later tell 48 Hours she wanted to be famous. She knew in high school that she wanted to be a news anchor. Well, after high school, Jody went on to St. Cloud State University, where she worked for the school's TV station while studying mass communications and speech communication, graduating with a bachelor's degree in 1990. Her first job after graduation was with Northwest Airlines, and then she began her broadcasting career with a CBS affiliate, KGAN, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, as the station's Iowa City Bureau Chief. Jody returned to Minnesota for a job at ABC affiliate KSAX in Alexandria, but then later went back to Iowa for her position at CBS affiliate KIMT in Mason City, which was where she was working when she disappeared. So... After moving to Iowa, Jody seemed to settle quickly into her new job and her new city. Her colleagues remembered her as bubbly and effervescent, despite the ass crack of dawn hours she worked. Jody quickly made a group of new friends that included an older man named John Van Syce. In the days leading up to Jody's disappearance, everything seemed totally normal. She went on a water skiing trip to Iowa City with a group of friends including John, and the day before her disappearance, Jody was participated in a golf tournament, and he would later tell the authorities that the night before Jody disappeared, she briefly stopped by his house to watch a videotape from her surprise party earlier that month. <clears throat> Got devil in my throat. So now, here we are, June 27th, 1995. Jody would always get to the station at 3 a.m., to get ready to anchor the 6 a.m. morning show called Daybreak. So when 3 a.m. came and went, the show's producer, Amy Coons, called Jody at home a little after 4, later saying, I called her twice. I talked to her and woke her up the first time. The second time, it just rang and rang. I obviously had woken her up. She asked what time it was. I told her she said she'd be right in. But Jody never showed up. So Amy ended up doing the show herself, and afterward, thinking that maybe Jody had fallen in the shower or something was wrong, asked a co-worker to call the police and request a welfare check. When the police arrived at Jody's Mason City apartment around 7 a.m., they found evidence that something much worse than a shower fall had happened to Jody. Her, res her, res her red Mazda Miata was still parked in front of the building, and the police found her bent car key on the ground near the vehicle, as well as her heels, blow dryer, and earrings, all indicating that she was on her way to work, but then they noticed that there were drag marks on the wet pavement. Some of Jody's neighbors came out then and told the police that they'd heard a scream at around 4.30 a.m., and another man who lived nearby remembered seeing a mid-'80s white Ford Econoline van parked with its lights on and engine running in the parking lot at around the same time, around 4.30-ish. 
So with the bent key and her belongings scattered on the ground, police suspected that someone had abducted Jody as she was getting into her car. But aside from that hunch, investigators didn't have much to go on. And a search of the area around Jody's apartment didn't turn up shit either. Mm. <clears throat> However, the police did find a palm print on her windshield and a random strand of hair near her car, which ain't a lot. But Lieutenant Ron Van Weird, Amazing. No Ron Van Weird. I love it. Of the Mason City Police Department would say, unfortunately in this case, there's not a lot of evidence, period. But we do have definite parts of this investigation, different things that we know that we are withholding just for that reason, that if we are able to develop a subject, that we're able to eliminate him or corroborate with him. So they had something that they weren't mm-hmm. going to release. I mean, yeah. So... But still, not a lot. So in September 1995, the Huizen Truett family hired private investigators from McCarthy and Associates Investigative Services, Inc. It's very long. Yes. From Minneapolis, who in turn enlisted the assistance of Omaha, Nebraska, private investigator Doug Jossa. McCarthy and Jossa appeared on several national television shows, including America's Most Wanted and Unsolved Mysteries. In November that year, they and members of Jody's family went to L.A. to meet with three prominent psychics, which was filmed and used as the pilot for Psychic Psychic Detectives television show. Although the show generated several leads, none resulted in anything concrete or an identification of a subject. So now I'm sure you're all screaming at me, hey, D, what about John Van Seis? Well, let's get to that because a number of suspects in Jody Huizentruit's disappearance have emerged since she disappeared in 1995. But let's start with John, who was most likely the last person to see her alive. Yes. So, according to 48 Hours, Van Syce first met Jody and her friend Anna Cruz at a bar. And even though he was 22 years older than them, they all hit it off and became friends, but some of Jody's other friends thought that maybe he wanted something more. Mm-hmm. John hosted Jody's 27th birthday party and even talked about naming his boat after her. Ooh. Yeah. And in That's 19. 19- so weird. <clears throat> right? Like, we're not. I'm not your child <clears throat> or your wife. Please don't name anything after me. That's I'm right? not your buddy guy. That's right? a little weird. Yeah, I'm not your buddy guy for sure. Well, in a 1995 interview with KIMT, John said, She was like a daughter to me. She was just like my own child. I treated her like my own child. Van Syce took and passed a polygraph test, provided his palm prints and DNA to a grand jury, as well as having an alibi for his whereabouts on the morning Jody disappeared. Being the number one suspect to the public, he's since relocated to Arizona and refuses to talk about the case with the media. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> so now, if the most obvious choice didn't abduct Jody, then who did? Another theory, very plausible theory, is that Jody was abducted by someone who watched her on TV. I could see that. Right? According to those at findjody.com, Jody would have been very easy to stalk. Her home, her home address, apartment unit, and phone number were listed in the public Mason City phone directory. She also had the same work schedule every day and frequently talked about her social and community event plans when she was delivering the news. In fact, Jody had reported to the police in October of 94 
that someone driving a white truck had been following her and made her nervous. And she later told friends that she did worry that she was being followed by someone. So this brought two men who did not personally know Jody out as possible subjects. Suspects, not subjects. So the first is a piece of shit named Tony Jackson, a serial rapist who lived just two blocks from the studio. Ooh. And in 1997, he was arrested and convicted of raping four women. And while serving life in prison for his crimes, Jackson allegedly told another prisoner that he'd killed Jody Huizentruit. But he didn't just tell him. He wrapped it. Oh, of course he did. He wrapped it, which I will not fucking do. <laughs> but it went a little something like... Thank you. She's a stiffen around tiffin in pileage of silage in a bylow low below. No. No. Yeah. So... After getting this information, the police searched silos in Tiffin, Iowa, which is two hours away from Mason City. Okay. But they didn't find anything. However, and in 1999, the Mason City Police Department stated that Jackson was not considered a suspect, and he has since insisted on his innocence. Of course. He's recanting. Right? Of course. Right. So then in May of 1996, approximately 100 volunteers searched an area of Cerro Gordo County and left flags to mark anything that appeared suspicious. Each of the sites was then re-examined by law enforcement, but no evidence was located. Police and private investigators have conducted more than 1,000 interviews, but none have resulted in any conclusive evidence pointing to any sort of suspect. In 2003, FindJody.com was created by Minnesota TV journalists Josh Benson and Gary Peterson with the goal to keep Jody's case in the spotlight and for the website to serve as a place for tips to be mm -hmm. put in that might lead to Jody. So now, the next and most recent suspect is a real creepy looking piece of shit named Jerry Burns, whose DNA connected him to the murder of an 18-year-old girl named Michelle Martinko, a young blonde woman killed in Iowa in 1979. Not only did Michelle and Jody resemble each other, but according to CBS News, Burns himself brought up Jody Huizentruit's name during his interrogation. Ooh. The crime is very different, so let's talk about Michelle for a minute. Michelle Martinko was 18, she was a senior in high school in 1979, and she was accosted as she was getting into her car on a cold night in December following a trip to the mall. There was very clearly a struggle in which Michelle was stabbed and sliced by a knife almost 30 times oh, no. in a horrific murder that police initially believed had to be a crime of passion. Detective Matt Denlinger of the Cedar Rapids Police Department told CP CBS in a 2021 interview, said, It looks personal. It's a lot of stab wounds. It's overkill. It's always the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband, someone really close to the person. But whoever her killer was had come prepared. The police found impressions from rubber gloves inside and outside the car, indicating that whoever had killed her had planned it. Oof. They had rubber gloves. They, they yeah. you know. So Denlinger took over Michelle's case in 2015, part of a second generation of cops who had struggled for decades 
to solve this seemingly unsolvable murder. In fact, his father, Harvey, who at the time of the 2021 interview was 85 and had been one of the original officers on Michelle's case in 1979. So over the years, they investigated more than 100 people, all dead ends. Mm. The turning point of the case began with the emergence of DNA as a forensic tool for crime fighting in the late 90s. The primary evidence police had to go on was blood on Michelle's dress and on the car's gear shift that in 05 was finally identified as male DNA. So they sent the blood samples to CODIS, the nationwide database of DNA collected from arrested offenders, but they did not get a hit. They then started to locate all the people that they had originally interviewed in the investigation to try and collect DNA samples from over 100 people. Yeah. So Denlinger had to consider that Michelle could have been murdered by a stranger, and he had the daunting task of trying to figure out who the hell that could have been, armed with only an unidentified sample of blood DNA. Then... After reading about Golden State Killer, the Golden State Killer case in 2018, which we all know, serial killer Joseph James D'Angelo was finally caught through DNA, Denlinger had an aha moment. Perhaps he could use that same new technique to solve the Martinko case, later saying in an interview, that was big, national news. I read the article and it talked about genetic genealogy and I went, bingo. So Detective Denlinger started contacting genealogy companies for help and began working with Parabon Nano Labs, and they got a hit. Nice. A woman named Brandy Jennings had uploaded her DNA to a website service to trace her own family history, as one does, and it showed that she was a distant relative of the person whose DNA was found at the crime scene. Oh. A second cousin once removed. So Denlinger drew up an elaborate genealogy chart going back to Brandy's great-great-grandparents to sleuth out a trail that could lead to the killer's DNA. And after weeks of pursuing a wide range of possible blood relatives, Parabon helped him narrow it down to three middle-aged brothers in Iowa who would have been young men back in 1979. Ken, Don, and Jerry Burns. Denlinger followed each of the brothers around on the sly, of course, waiting for them to discard an item that would contain their DNA. And he took the samples to the crime lab. Ken and Don, not a match, but Jerry Burns was to an almost perfect scientific certainty. Oh, boy. So Denlinger had finally found the needle in the fucking haystack. So he interviewed Jerry Burns, who denied knowing or ever meeting Michelle Martinko, but the DNA said otherwise, and he was arrested on December 19th, 2018. The jury found the DNA connection convincing, and after a nine-day trial, Burns was convicted of first-degree murder. The case was finally solved, but there were some lingering questions about Jerry Burns. You see, the police had searched his computer after arresting him, and found a history of searches of some real shady shit, including murders of blonde women and porn, all only involving blonde women. Ooh, that's uncomfy. So he's really got a thing for fucking blondes. Now, none of this evidence was admissible at trial, but it definitely left an impression on the investigators, especially since in his video interview with the police... 
right before his arrest, Burns, completely unsolicited, mentioned the name Jody Huizentruit as he was being questioned about the Martinko case. And when Detective Denlinger reminded Burns that Michelle had been killed in 1979, Mm -hmm. like we're talking about. Yeah. His response, Burns' response was, it was a big deal. I don't exactly remember what happened. Seen something about Jody Huizentruit recently. Suspect and highly questionable. So they're questioning him about Michelle. Yeah. But he wants to talk about Jody. That's, I don't like it. Right. So the similarities are there. Two pretty young women, both meeting their final fate in parking lots in Iowa, 16 years apart, in cases that went unsolved for decades. There is no known DNA evidence tying Jerry Burns to Jody's case, and there is no evidence that he knew her at all. Mason City police won't disclose whether or not they're now looking at Jerry Burns as a suspect in the case. So could he have committed other murders other than Michelle Martinko? I say absolutely. And when asked that same question by 48 Hours, Detective Denlinger replied, I don't know the answer to that. My gut tells me there's probably something else out there. So there are other theories about Jody's disappearance, and one is that she was killed for investigating the death of a man named Billy Pruin, who was a farmer that had been shot at his home after complaining about local meth rings. And another suggests that someone within the Mason City Police Department had killed her. Oh. According to AETV, Mason City Police Officer Maria Ohl claimed that an informant told her that the police were involved in Jody's abduction. And when findjody.com financed four billboards to raise awareness about her case, one of them was vandalized with the name Frank Stearns, who was a retired Mason City Police Department investigator, and the words machine shed. The police never found out who vandalized it, what the hell it meant, and just concluded that it was someone vandalizing with their own agenda, whatever that may be. Still suspect, though. So today, Jody Huizentruit's disappearance remains a mystery. And even though the 27-year-old was declared legally dead in 2001, her case still remains open. And that is the story of the disappearance of Jody Huizentruit. And the murder of Michelle Martinko. All rolled into one. My goodness. Yeah. Um, my sources are a few wikis. CBS2Iowa.com. All that's interesting. Kalina Fraga. CBSNews.com. Alex Serkin. And findjody.com. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Super shady. Very Super shady. First of all, uh, highly unlikely that Michelle Martinko was the only man, Jerry, or only man, only person, woman, girl that Jerry Burns killed. Yeah. Because if he didn't know her ever, they did not know each other. Um, and it's like the detective said, usually when you see something like that, it's overkill. That's a crime of passion, right? They didn't know each other. So... Someone like that that is going to kill a young girl in that way, chances are that that's that's not the only one. You don't just kill someone in 1979 like that and not do it again. Not with all the porn 
that he had on his computer, not saying porn is, but, and all of his murders of blonde women searches. Mm. Right. And Jody and Michelle do look a lot alike. So who knows? And he himself was the only, he kept bringing her name up. That is, why, sir? If you're going to bring up her name, can you at least be helpful? He hasn't said a word. Uh, He is trying to still, to this day, now appeal his case because uh, he said that there should have been a warrant to get those items that his DNA was found on. That has um, been used before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. guess what? No. And they say, well, you discarded it. So. Yep. And then it, it belonged to no one anymore. Yeah, exactly. But he's still trying to. Isn't that uh, as of like, Yeah. Yeah. As of like 2022, still trying to fucking do that shit. Yeah. Uh, it was a straw from a cup thrown in a garbage can. Mm-hmm. Sorry, buddy. Yep. They're like. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, man. You threw that away. It was you considered it trash, so then it was no longer yours. Guess what? Too right. bad. Right. Is how that argument is going mm-hmm. to be shut down, and I'm sure it has been shut down in exactly that way since he keeps trying it. Yup. I found the thing I was looking for. Oh, good. That I was digging in there for. Oh, great. Yeah, I don't need to dig in there anymore. Okay. Yeah. I'm very happy that you told me that out loud. I needed, I was very I need to say things sometimes. (laughs) They don't mean anything to anybody. In fact, I don't think we were recording when I was digging around in there the first time. Yeah. So this is out of context for most people. It's out of context all over the place. No, no, no. We know. Sure. We know. We know. I guess. If you say so. This has been a weird day. Let me have this. No, you can have it. It has been. Just take it and run. Just take it and run. Yeah. Yeah, I don't that is I right? don't like it. Right? Pretty bizarre. And it just out of nowhere. Yeah. And did she was leaving at the, the ass crack of dawn. Oh, oh no, Jody? I was talking about yeah. Jody. Well, and I also and, find it interesting she, that she was never late. Yeah, and she was going. She to had work. been at John Van Sice's house the night before. Mm-hmm. And she's usually at the studio at 3 a.m. Yeah. And then the producer called at 4. Yeah. And woke her up. Called again. Th- she's on, I'm on my way. Yeah. Never made it. Yeah. So she was at home, running late. Mm-hmm. And what did anybody... Well, the neighbors heard the, sc- yeah, the scream, scream around 4.30. And another man said he saw the van, lights on, engine running. When he left for work at a little after four. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like that at all. Well, I don't like anyone leaving for work at 4 a.m. That's just gross. But. (laughs) Usually earlier. Yuck. Because, yeah. Because you said she was usually there by three. Uh Uh-huh. Gross. Right? I mean, I've had to do it before. I don't recommend it. No, it's terrible. It is. It's terrible. It's truly trash. Yeah. So, interesting though. It is. Interesting. And it's been what? It's been. Yeah, it's been. Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 95. And then Michelle was 1979. Damn. So, yeah, I mean, and twice over, I want to say, the last 10 years, um, Unidentified remains have turned up mm-hmm. in the area, and 
one turned out to be like, um, like really, really, really old. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other one, I read the article and it turned out, I mean, nothing came of it. It was female remains, but Mm -hmm. so far, no. So, I mean, like with Michelle Martinko, she was stabbed violently and just sort of left there, right? Yeah. Um, and she did put up a fight because, you know, there was the male mm-hmm. or he st- or he slashed himself. Yeah. But um, um, with Jody, it was just a straight abduction. But it doesn't mean that that's not the fate. She didn't meet the same kind of fate. Maybe he switched it up. Because Jerry Burns seems real stalkery, right? With the porn and the blonde murders and did not know Michelle Martinko yet had the gloves and was prepared. So maybe he did it differently this time. Maybe. You know, and he was local. He could have very well watched her on the news. Yeah. Especially when it was in the Mm -hmm. 90s. Like, if you're going to watch the news, then it's going to be the local news. Yeah, because that was definitely pre, yeah, twenty four hour news cycle where you could just watch yeah. it. And you had like, if you didn't have cable, you had like four channels. Yeah, and I and I'm guessing either he stalked Michelle Martinko. That would make sense. Or he made the decision that he was going to kill a blonde girl, and she was wrong place, wrong time. But again. Like the detective said, she was stabbed over 30 times. It looked like a crime of passion. They assumed it had to have been a boyfriend or something. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty violent. Yeah. Pretty violent. Yeah. So I don't know. What you got? What you got? Well, I also have a story. I like stories. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And because this month, has been completely bananas as far as scheduling goes. My brain has been more frazzled than normal, which is uh-huh. terrifying. Uh, and so nothing on my master list of potential stories fit what my brain wanted to look into. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I went to the interweb. Mm-hmm. Not Rihanna's internet. No. Certainly not. Beyonce's? Uh, Definitely not. Um, but yeah, just looking for something interesting for both myself and everybody listening. And uh, did I end up adding several more stories to my list? Yes, absolutely I did. I love when that happens. Always do. Uh, but I also found this story that I'm going to share with you all today. And this... Do it. ...is a little case known as The Murder... Of Mary Morris. All right. So, here we go. Uh, According to friends and family, Houston-based Mary Lou Henderson Morris uh, was a kind, outgoing, and friendly woman. Her daughter, Marilyn Blaylock, shared on the Murder in My Family podcast that her mom was hardworking, selfless, outgoing, and a very funny lady that just loved life. Um, That's not to say that Mary was a pushover, mind you. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, If she had an issue or something to say, she would let you know. Uh, She was very assertive. I feel that. (laughs) Um, She also added that my mom was a pretty energetic person, to say the least. You never really knew what you would find her doing. Okay. Uh, And revealed that Mary 
also had quite the daring side, uh, sharing that she'd even driven in the demolition derby at the Astrodome, which is simply cool as hell. I love that. <laughs> like, come on, Mama. That's rad. That is just so, so very, very cool. Get it, Mama. Um, she also loved her horses and gardening and was well known for her very beautiful roses, um, which were aided by the use of horse manure as fertilizer, which is something she kept in buckets, usually around her garden for gardening purposes. Sure. Um, Mary and her husband, Jay, had been married for five years at this point. Uh, Mary's two kids were from a previous marriage, and Jay also has children from a previous marriage, so this was the second for bo- second marriage for both of them. Um, and by all accounts, they were a really happy couple. Um, Marilyn, her daughter, was later quoted as saying that her mom was one of the nicest people you'd ever want to know. She acted like she was 20. She was always going somewhere. She was always doing something. She never missed a day of work. Sounds like me. Shit. Until October 12th, 2000. Uh, just before 6 o'clock that morning, 48-year-old bank loan officer, Mary, said goodbye to her husband, Jay, and left for work. And that was the last time she was seen alive. Aww. Uh, Mary and Jay lived in Baytown, which is about 30 minutes outside of Houston. Um, and Houston was where the Chase Bank that Mary had worked at for the last 15 years was located. Um, Mary and Jay's home was right off of the I-10, which was basically a straight shot into Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay and Mary usually spoke to each other while she was at work multiple times a day, just, you know, check in with each other. Uh, so when he was unable to reach her at her desk that morning... It was a little weird. Uh, Marilyn would say in an interview that the phones at the bank would automatically roll over to go straight to voicemail after hours. Mm -hmm. And employees would have to manually switch their phones back on to accept calls in the mornings when they got there. So it could have been possible that um, Jay initially assumed that Mary had just forgotten to turn it off that morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, She did leave a little bit earlier than normal because she wanted to do some extra just a little extra work. So she maybe was leaving it off before the clock was officially like mm-hmm. when she was supposed to be on the clock. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's like, maybe that's time. Maybe that's what she did. I don't know. So he didn't really think too much about it at first. And around lunchtime, Jay received a call from someone looking for Mary. Um, he let them know that she was at work and that was the end of it. As it turned out, the caller was Mary's supervisor. Oh. For whatever reason, they didn't identify themselves to Jay, and he didn't ask any questions. Which seems real weird, right? Yeah. Like someone calls, hey, is so-and-so there? Oh, no, they're at work. Okay, bye. And hanging up instead of being like, hey, is so-and-so there? Oh, no, they're not here right now. Can I take a message? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, uh... You'd figure. Or, 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 or when he said, no, she's at work, if you're the supervisor, knowing full fucking well she's not, okay, well, this is so-and-so with exactly. Chase Bank. Um, she's not she here. I just want to make sure up. she's okay. Yeah, which is all very weird. That is weird. Super, super weird. Um, so after trying to reach his wife with no response a few times that day, Jay started to get a little bit worried. Fair. Uh, he called her job... And found out that she'd never shown up, Uh saying, I called a supervisor and found out she wasn't at work. That's when I knew immediately that there was something wrong because she didn't miss work. 
because again, it was completely out of character for Mary. Like her daughter said, she was the type of person that would never miss a day of work, and she certainly wasn't the kind to simply not show up without either a good reason or letting someone know she'd be out for the day. Mm -hmm. And she'd worked there for 15 years. So everybody at the bank, they were all kind of like a little family. They'd worked mm -hmm. together for so long. They knew what she was like, and she was the kind of person that would call if she was going to be even a few minutes late. Mm -hmm. So for her just to not show up was real fucking weird. Um, so after Jay spoke with Mary's supervisor, he called Marilyn between 3.30 and 4 p.m. to let her know that her mom hadn't shown up to work, was missing. Mm-hmm. So thinking her mom had maybe been in an accident or had car troubles. Right. Marilyn called her father, Joe Henderson, who happened to own a towing company when she was growing up um, in the hopes that he or one of his friends had maybe towed Marilyn or Mary's Chevy Lumina somewhere. Um, after that, going on the assumption that Mary had maybe been in an accident, uh, Marilyn started calling hospitals to see if maybe her mom had been admitted, either under her name or as a Jane Doe. Like if she were in a serious car accident, she was like, hmm. I'm going to call around the hospitals and see if maybe they've seen someone matching her description. Mm -hmm. um, on the Murder in My Family podcast, she explained that as a nurse herself and someone that grew up around tow truck drivers, she was pretty familiar with the protocol for that scenario, or at least the scenario she'd assumed was taking place. Mm -hmm. um, when Marilyn showed up to her mom's house around 5 p.m., the police were there taking a statement from Jay, who had called around that time to report his wife missing. Um, the officers left shortly after Marilyn arrived, and she and Jay realized that Mary had left her cell phone at home on the charger that morning. Again, something out of character for Mary, as she usually always had it on her. Mm -hmm. um, they then decided to drive into Houston and stop by the bank, which was also right off the I-10, so her house and her work right off the same highway mm -hmm. um and they just wanted to see if maybe her car was in the parking garage see what was going on right they got there it wasn't uh marilyn would later point out that jay seemed to be in no real hurry to get to mary's office but just chalked it up to him potentially wanting to be a safe driver because they were also like looking on the sides of the road to see if maybe her car was broken down right on a shoulder or something um I lost my place. Oh. <laughs> I lost my place. Uh, oh, there it is. So after the trip to the office, they returned to Jay and Mary's house. And when they got there, Marilyn's father, Joe, called to let her know that one of his friends, who happened to work with a local news station, had gotten word that a burnt-out car had been found off of Crosby, Lynchburg, and I-10, which was the exit you'd take to get to the Morris's house. Okay. So let's just jump back in time a little bit before we go forward. Around 10.20 that same morning, someone placed a call to the Baytown Fire Department to report seeing smoke in the area. Uh, no one went to check it out, though, because they assumed it was just a controlled burn, like somebody burning leaves or trash in their yard, which, right. as you do. Um, at approximately 5 p.m., someone driving an ATV came upon the smoldering remains of an abandoned car on a semi-remote stretch of road. Unfortunately, the torched car had a single passenger inside. Oh, shit. The scene turned out to be only a few miles from where Mary and Jay lived, uh, but in the opposite direction of the bank she worked at. 
However, according to Marilyn, the area would not have been entirely out of Mary's way, uh, like many shows and podcasts have reported, because the gas station she usually stopped at in the mornings was right near the freeway entrance she would have taken to work. Mm -hmm. So where this car was found would have technically been on her way to work. Kind Via of. the gas station. Yeah. Right. Um, from what I was understanding of what she was, her daughter was saying. Um, after receiving the call from her dad, Marilyn informs Jay of what he told her. And they hop into Marilyn's car to go check out the, the scene because she wanted to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in her interview with Mike Morford, Marilyn says that while she was driving towards Crosby Lynchburg, uh, she came to a four-way stop and asked Jay which way she needed to go next. Uh, she was fairly certain she needed to take the nearby overpass to get to the spot her dad had mentioned because it was like she could see the overpass off to the left, I believe, mm-hmm. um, of this four-way stop. And that would have put them right at Crosby, Lynchburg, and I-10. Jay insisted that she just needed to go straight ahead. And she thought it was weird, but he was more familiar with the area than she was. So sure. she was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um about a half mile past that stop sign, they spotted a lone officer and his car at the end of a driveway. So they parked behind him, and Marilyn asked if there was a burnt-out car somewhere nearby. Naturally, the officer didn't reveal too much information, saying that he was pretty much there to keep the scene safe, mm-hmm. while also insisting that police would reach out to her family if they had any information for her. Um, Marilyn kept pressing for information, um, and the officer eventually informed her um oh wait what sorry my eyes just keep skipping over things uh, but she kept pressing for information and the officer eventually informed her that a car had been found behind some trees and in some dense foliage about 50 to 100 yards off the road okay um since they weren't going to get any further information out of the officer Marilyn and jay returned to the house to wait and see if anyone would contact them They didn't have to wait long, because about 15 minutes after they'd walked through the door, police showed up to inform them that they believed the car in question had indeed belonged to Mary Henderson Morris. Oh, jeez. The remains found in the car were so badly burnt that an exact cause of death couldn't be determined. Oh, jeez. Initially, I believe they didn't even know there was a body in the car at first, until they looked a little bit closer and were like, oh, fuck. Right. Um... So they couldn't determine the cause of death. But Harris County Detective Robert Tonry said of the incident that there's no question at all this was a murder. I mean, no kidding, my dude. Right. But why? Tooth fragments from the body were examined by forensic scientists to identify the victim who was then positively identified as Mary Morris. Wow. Her friends and family were stunned because Mary wasn't the kind of person who had any enemies to speak of, let alone enemies that wanted her dead. Um, her daughter, Marilyn, said there was no reason for it whatsoever. She was just a really good person, you know, never did anything bad to anybody. They asked about everything from gambling to drugs to affairs to anything, and all of the answers were no. A, robber- a robbery gone horrifically wrong was ruled out fairly quickly, as a majority of items considered to be valuable, like jewelry, had been left behind. Uh, the only items that were missing from the car were Mary's purse and her wedding ring. With uh, Detective Tonry saying, the majority of the time somebody committing a robbery wants to get the most money with the least amount of trouble. Mm -hmm. If you would take a purse, wouldn't you take jewelry? 
Why be discriminating? Whoever did this took a great deal of time to seclude her in that area. If you get someone out for drug money, he may kill her and try to wipe off the prince. But someone went to the trouble to make sure there was absolutely no evidence left. Huh. However, it is entirely possible that her wedding ring had fallen off in the car and was destroyed by the blaze. Um, Marilyn shared that she didn't think the investigators actually looked for it, so it's hard to say where it went. Okay. Um, and speaking of the fire, it was hot. Mm. To the point that the flames not only melted the tires and jewel- some of the jewelry inside of the car, but also singed the trees surrounding it. Hmm. Uh, investigators quickly realized that an accelerant must have been used but it didn't seem to be gasoline, which is one of the most commonly used accelerants. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, they believed that something rarely, if ever, used in arson cases had been used. And this information was not discussed publicly public? for a very long time. Um, but no, no, they did not think it was gasoline. In fact, they thought... It was manure. Oh. Now, I tried to look up information on the burning properties of manure versus those of gasoline. Like, how hot does it burn? How quickly? Etc. But there's no real data that I could find. Not in that specific case, anyway. Like, they didn't tell me how it was used for crimes. Right. Um, but apparently gasoline burns too fast for what happened to Mary in her car. Um, because Mary was essentially cremated wow. inside of her car. And her car was reportedly evenly scorched. Yeah, it'll, it'll char you, but it won't cremate you. Yeah. Uh, manure, apparently, seems to burn much slower mm-hmm. than gasoline. Huh. Also, shout out to the NSA agents keeping tabs on my search history because we all learned a little something <laughs> that day. Also, unintentionally learned a ton about composting in my mission to find this information. Uh, so that's the thing that I know now. Breaks down, creates <laughs> methane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, while I didn't find the, ex- the exact answers I was looking for, I did find this post on Reddit via user Snitting Next to Borpo, which is a 30 Rock reference, <laughs> and I love you for it. Whoever you are. Um, This might answer at least a few questions that we probably all have about this whole situation. And this is their post. Uh, But on this one small point, I will say that equestrians, cowboys, horse persons almost certainly would know that manure is flammable. Just like fertilizer or even harvested cotton balls, um, corn, sorghum, you have to be extra careful about leaving huge piles of it anywhere that might get too hot, e.g. anywhere in Texas, May through October, um, or come in contact with any kind of spark, cigarette ashes, etc., Buffalo chips, dried bison manure, were used as kindling by settlers on the plains where wood was in short supply. But I think that someone also knew that manure would be a more effective accelerant, burning much longer than gasoline, and also one that wouldn't involve receipts or cashier eyewitnesses um, or cashier eyewitness statements, since uh, Mary had access, plenty of access to it already, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Weird. Right? The day after Mary's murder, October 13th, an unknown man called into the Houston Chronicle and cryptically told the person that answered the phone, they got the wrong Mary Morris. 
uh, hosts of the Prosecutor's Podcast reached out to the publication in 2020 to verify this call, but the employee they spoke with vehemently denied that that call ever took place. Oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there, because while it's incredibly bizarre and creepy in theory, there were other events in the months following Mary's death that were equally unsettling and verified to have actually taken place. Okay. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead in the timeline again just okay. a little bit. But it's my coverage, so I'm going to do what I want. Do whatever the <laughs> ever-loving fuck you'd like to do. Despite investigators' best efforts, Mary Henderson Morris's case essentially hit a wall due to a complete lack of evidence. Right. Um, until six months after her death, that is. Oh. Sometime in April, Jay Morris received quite the shock when he opened up a phone bill totaling $2,000 for a phone card that had belonged to his now-deceased wife. Oh. Now, for any youths out there that are confused and thinking, but she left her cell phone at home the day she was killed, how does this work? Well, let me explain. Back in the early days of cell phones, uh, they were real limited in their capabilities and would cost a metric fuck ton of money if you went over your allotted minutes. Oh, boy, yeah. Yes, you heard me. Allotted minutes. And don't get me started on sending text messages around this time because it wasn't a thing. Until a couple years after that, and then you could only send so many texts. Text rates apply. Yep. You're like, oh, oh, I went over my 50 text message limit. Now I have to pay $75 mm-hmm. per text that mm-hmm. I sent over that. Um, any hoops. So, phone cards, a.k.a. calling cards, were generally prepaid physical cards it kind of looked like a gift card mm-hmm. um that you could either buy preloaded with a certain amount of extra minutes or you paid a set dollar amount um and then it would just have whatever minutes loaded onto it um and there were some that were reloadable people usually use them for long distance calls mm-hmm. since calling long distance was uh you had to pay extra for it, mm-hmm. especially if you were calling during certain hours of the day, and usually it was free at night to mm-hmm. call long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually used phone cards quite a bit while I was in Africa, uh-huh. because one, traveling overseas with your own phone was outrageously expensive, If and it probably wouldn't even have worked anyway. Um, and smartphones, circa 2007, weren't smart. No, they were not. Uh, <laughs> and my friend and I just bought a whole ass Nokia brick phone from a street vendor for a total of like 30 bucks for the month we were gone. That's perfect. I have lived too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have cell phones when I was a kid, so yeah. or even in my early 20s. Yeah. And so with that brick that Nokia brick phone, we just bought a bunch of phone cards so we could call home while we were gone. So I that's that's mm-hmm. what it what it was, in case you have you didn't know what phone I cards think were. Phone cards are still around. I I don't know because you like can track phone cards. You can get track, yes, you can still buy, and then you can all just buy just like the whole track phone, phone now yeah. with I kind of I think it's like preloaded in that it's way. Basically, a burner. Yeah, exactly. It's a burner phone. The burner, burner phone. Um. Yeah. So she wouldn't have needed to have her cell phone on her to use the card since you could use them from any phone. Okay. Uh, and it was just floating around in her purse in case she needed it. 
um, while some of these cards were disposable, there were certain brands that were a little fancier. Okay. Meaning they could be traced. Ooh. Just like Mary's happened to be. Officers were able to locate the origin of the calls placed using Mary's card to a payphone in Galveston, which is roughly an hour away from Baytown. Somehow, they managed to track down the caller. Oh, shit. Who was using Mary's phone card. Uh, turned out to be a young woman, either 16 or 19 years old, depending on your source, uh, who claimed to have found the card about a month prior. Uh, she told officers that she'd found the card inside of a purse that someone had left in the parking lot of a local convenience store. Mm. In addition to the phone card, the purse had Mary's checkbook and some other personal effects inside of it, but not her wallet. That was never recovered. As for the purse itself, the young woman said she'd gifted it to a friend who tossed whatever else had been left inside. Uh, Detective Tonry was able to recover the purse and return it to Mary's family, but no one recognized it and said that the bag was definitely not hers. Uh, the young woman was never considered a suspect, and Marilyn herself said it appears planted, something to throw investigators off. But the weirdness doesn't end there. Because of course not. At 10.20 p.m. on April 24th, Jay Morris received an unexpected phone call at home. When he answered, the man on the other end asked for Mary. When Jay said that she wasn't home and offered to take a message, the caller hung up. The next day at 12.44 a.m., the same man called from the same payphone and again asked for Mary before hanging up. Obviously, hmm. Jay contacted Detective Tonry because sweet baby Jesus and the grown one, too. What the fuck right? is happening? Sweet the grown one, too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you to Cheryl Lee Ralph and the writers of Abbott Elementary for that one. Um, is that a good show? It's very cute. Okay. Um, so, which is, what the fuck, man? Right? So... The detective told him that if the man called again to give him the number to the Harris County Police Department. And at 9.20 p.m. on April 28th, he did just that. Uh, when the, the man asked for Mary, Jay provided a phone number and told the man he could reach her there. His response, oh yeah, right. And he hung up the phone and never called again. Uh, police traced the calls and learned that the number on Jay's caller ID was from a payphone that turned out to be in front of an apartment complex in Baytown. Uh, but the most bizarre part about these interactions is the fact that the caller somehow knew the Morris's unlisted home phone number. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which is real fucking weird. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, nothing useful ever came from those calls. Hmm. Huh. Okay, jumping back in time again. On October 16th, the day of Mary's funeral, Marilyn was the only one to see her mo her mother's remains. Mm -hmm. uh, she'd requested to view them before they were placed into her custom blue casket, her favorite color, mm -hmm. because she wanted to make sure that they'd been removed from the body bag that they had been kept in. Uh, because initially they had intended to, I think from the funeral home, they were going to put the body bag in the casket and bury it that way. And Marilyn said, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, she just felt that nobody should be buried like that. No. Uh, she'd also asked that the few items of jewelry that had been found with her body be buried with her. But the folks at the funeral home informed her that the medical examiner's office hadn't sent any personal effects with her remains. 
uh, Marilyn said she called the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office immediately mm-hmm. after the service to ask for her mom's jewelry. And she was told that she could come pick the items up when she came to retrieve her mother's remains. I'm Naturally, sorry, yeah, Marilyn, incredibly confused, considering she'd literally just seen and buried her said remains, which she relayed to the equally confused employee on the other end of the phone. After being placed on hold a few times, a supervisor took over the call and told Marilyn that no. Mary Morris's remains are still at the Harris County Medical Examiner's office. Uh, the fuck? It then dawned on them, both, that they had been talking about two different women named Mary Morris, and both of them had been murdered. What? And that's all you're getting for today, because you get to find the rest of it out next week. So the phone call, they got the wrong Mary Morris. Mm-hmm. If that even was real, though. Well, they said it wasn't, but boy. But boy, if it howdy. was real. So both Mary Morrises were murdered, huh? Mm-hmm. The Morrises of Mary. Wow. This case is actually known as the Mary Morris murders. But I wanted to be sneaky about it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gets even weirder from here. Oh, good. Oh, I like yeah. weird shit. It's real fucking weird. We know. I like but yeah, Mary Morris murders. Could you imagine though M-M-M. being mm-hmm. Marilyn Blaylock calling to get your mom's jewelry from the funeral home and the, or the medical examiner, and they're like, "You can have it after you come pick up her body." And she's like, well, "I already did that. We just buried her today." And they're like, "No, she's right here." Oh no! Oh, oh shit! Holy shit! Like the panic you you must have like she must have felt in that moment being like well if you still have my mom then what the fuck just happened who just got buried what is what yeah oh boy yeah oh yeah cliffhanger it's a good one (laughs) yeah thank you it's a good cliffhanger thank you yes it's a i actually started working on this a long time ago Mm -hmm. and then have been you know Doing little bits here and there. Listening to... I've listened to so many other podcasts about this case. So many. It's... It's so fucking weird. Yeah. The theories. The theories. Theory. We'll get to. Los theories. I'm sorry, what was it? (laughs) They heard it. You don't need to hear it. Okay. (laughs) They can rewind. I'm not saying that. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shit. All right. God well. damn. <laughs> exactly. Holy fuck nut ball titties. Yeah, all those. Uh-huh. All of them. Each and every single one. Yeah. It's a really good fucking cliffhanger. Thank you. I can't wait. I was pretty proud of it. That's why I kept jumping back in time and stuff to... Because I was like, no, I want to end it here. Because yeah. some of this stuff is taking place simultaneously. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Especially, like, when they find the... When they found her purse... And the phone card. Um, and when Jay was getting those phone calls. Mm-hmm. The other Mary Morris was already deceased. Wow. Um, Dead. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Finish. Next week's going to be 
A rule doozy. Soups, banoons. A rule dooze. Soupy noon noons, as it were. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why yeah. I don't like that one. I just don't like it. I don't like care. <laughs> I didn't say you had to. I, I was just saying I, I didn't like sure. it. Sure. I'm not saying that you said I had to. Soupy noon noons. Your tone. Soups, well, banoons. I'm not going to change it. Your tone did. Well, I'm not sorry. I will fly across this room. You fucking do it. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a lot of energy that I don't have in this moment. Uh, but yeah, next week I will conclude probably this story. Uh, probably. If not a list. I'm, I'm pretty sure I will be done with it next week. Okay. Um, because, well, there's a lot to, a lot to, to talk about. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but we'll get into that because some of the theories. We'll, Theory. We'll, we'll touch on that. But yeah, so it's a real fucking nuts. Wow. And wow. very, very sad oh, story. Yeah. Um, Soupy. Don't you do it. That's what I got. Noony? Noon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the second noons. Just, the, second, the second noons. He just, just pushed his me. mic away from his face. Hey, is you, that, guys, you guys couldn't see it, but I did. <laughs> is that, that second noons that for some reason I just don't care for? Wow. Shit. Give you reprieve noons. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's... fuck. All right. Did well, we done do it? We, we did. We done done it. We did done do it. We done done it, y'all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, y'all know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, share, share, share. If you'd like some exclusive motherfucking content, go become a patron on our little patron. <laughs> Just watching him pantomime every every movement and word that Danielle was saying. That was yeah. good. That was good. Yeah. Take it away there, bud. I'm going to fucking try. Jesus Christ. Take it away there, bud. Listen to the Anytime Now podcast. Read your stories. You know what? Just go Do the thing. It's a history it. podcast for kids. Go find it. Go listen. Honesthistory.co. Promo code GNH. G as in ghosts. N. As in, never mind. <laughs> H, as in, he is too tired to finish the rest of the spiel. To go and get 10% <laughs> off your purchase. I've said it a million fucking times. You guys aren't listening, but I'm going to say it again anyway, because it's part of my job. Yeah. Go do the thing. Yeah. yeah. Do that. So, um, well, all right. Shit. Till next time, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Hats off to the fuck you club. Mm-hmm. And today, I gotta find this motherfucker's name. Uh, today, off Jerry Burns. Fuck you. You yeah. fucking yeah. piece of shit. Um, Hamstever, let's just also talk about this rapping rapist. Uh, what was like, that fucking guy's name? Because like, when you make when you make I a bad person's even... name alliterative, it makes it cute, and I don't like it. No. And it just, he just, he rapped. No, it didn't make his, him sound cute. No, it made it him didn't. sound there like he is. an even more gigantic piece of shit. Tony than Jackson. Fuck you. Tony Jackson. You, you piece of shit. And while we're you at turd. it, fuck you, Ted. Always. Oh, always fuck Ted. As always. Fuck you, Bob. Kimberly yep. can't read. No. Gwyneth. Fuck you, Gwyneth. Oh, my God. Eat some craft and die. <laughs> <laughs> Eat some processed cheese. No God! And disappear. Fucking bitter nippled old witch. Choke on spam, whore. Brittle. I meant to say brittle, and I said bitter. 
I mean, I feel like both are appropriate. I hope your nipples get brittle. Oh, God. And then Ow. crumble. Ow. Yeah. Wow. She yeah. deserves it. She does. That fucking cheesy smelling twat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 